0: It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future.
1: Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.
0: It's almost like someone in the kitchen being like, this soup doesn't taste good. What does it need? I don't know. And it's like, are you aware of salt, fat, acid, heat? And they're like, what? And you're like, okay, well.
1: So much more than it bothers me.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined by my sweatered co-host, Rodney Evans.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: On today's episode, we're going to explore some questions that we've been sitting with. Questions like, can anyone thrive in self-management? Can everyone weigh in equally in governance? But before we get into those meaty questions, let's do a fairly meaty check-in round.
1: It is meaty, um, and it feels somewhat related, maybe. So we'll start this episode, like all of our episodes, with a check-in round that we both answer. And our question for today is: How well would you say you are performing at the moment?
0: (laughs) So my first, my first counter to this is: In what role, right? My many roles. On
1: average, in aggregate.
0: Yeah, on balance. I feel, here's how I feel. I feel like in the Derby when the car is kind of dirty and has been like driven for a while, but it's loose as a result.
1: Mm. Like it's,
0: you know, it is, it's probably not achieving peak performance and it's probably in need of care, but it's also just like really sunken in to the track Mm. and to the shocks and everything. So I feel like that's how I'm performing at the moment. There are places where definitely it's coming apart at the seams, but also there's a a looseness to the way it's feeling right now. And in the places where I am contributing, I feel good about it. And in the places where I'm kind of dropping the ball, I'm like, yeah, but I got to just make this turn and I'll get around, get around to the next corner. So I would say, I don't know, B B plus, but with
1: style. Mm. (laughs) With style. What about Um, you? Yeah. Mixed. Here's the thing. I can always like muscle out performance in any situation because I have a real like robotic gear that I can (laughs) shift into. I'm not particularly enjoying a lot of things right now. And so that is like on my mind because to me, as a performer and agent in the world, I just like, I know when I'm muscling through it, And usually the way that I can tell is because I feel, like, impatient. And I just have had a lot of moments lately where I'm, like, impatient or bored or just, like, I I have a feeling of, like, let's just get through this, which is not how I like to feel in work. And so I would say that that's how I'm Mm -hmm. performing is, like, it's good on paper. Mm it's not, It doesn't feel great.
0: Is it, I'm curious now, I have to extend the check in round because I Well, know we already
1: something. decided we have no script for this episode. So we can yeah. do It's just like YOLO. We can do can whatever, whatever we the want. Fuck we want. Yeah. This
0: is like the OG, like first five episodes of the exactly. show. Exactly. <laughs> what I'm curious about hearing you say that is wh- how do you figure the role of enjoyment either in your like overall objective of the work that you're doing or as a relationship to performance? Like where does enjoyment figure in for you? How does that fit into the, you know, anatomy of your overall experience?
1: I mean, this is very much my, like, Enneagram 7 type. It is literally the most important thing.
0: It's top of the pyramid.
1: It's top of the pyramid. Like, every time I go into a meeting that I don't want to go into, I'm like, how do I (laughs) change my life so I never have to do this again? Right. Like, Like, my entire life from where I live to who I chose to marry to all of the major life choices to the roles that I play and the things I say no to number one. And I realize this is a very privileged position that I'm in is, (laughs) is this fun for me? And And if it's not fun for me for the most part, I just try not to do it or I like I find my way out of it.
0: Yeah. What I'm curious about hearing you say that is when you are in a self managing system, in which you do have a lot of power
1: mm-hmm.
0: and enjoyment is you know high on the list, if not at the top of the list, do you ever feel like you're at odds with yourself? Like you're sort of, you're the architect of a lot of the conditions that you're yeah. operating under. And so does that ever feel, does it feel like you're wrestling with yourself to find enjoyment or, or with everything else?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I would ask you the same question. I, I think for me, I'm not really going to answer it as either of those things. What of course, I'm usually Mrs. conscious, yeah, I miss this third way. What I'm usually conscious of when I'm not enjoying something is because I'm. It's that I have chosen to do something that I feel needs to be done. Yeah. But I don't particularly want to do it, and as I'm doing that, I am also architecting how I will not have to do it in the future. So yeah. that is more of like an external thing. Obviously, I could, I could not choose to engage in those things because I have that freedom and that luxury. And I feel a lot of responsibility to our company to not let things persist (laughs) in a way that feel not good and just like hope somebody else does it. So usually when I'm doing something that I'm really not enjoying, it is with the greater good in mind. And mostly I don't do that. Mostly I just do stuff I like doing because I just think I'm better at it. Right. Like, I just think if I'm doing something and I'm having fun, I'm rarely bad at it.
0: No, that totally, that tracks for me. And I dug a little deeper on this because I do see some light connective tissue to the topic today.
1: Okay, but before we do that, I want to know how enjoyment plays a role. Because this is also, Aaron and I have learned recently about our Enneagram types and how they interact with one another. (laughs) And like one of the big things, so he's a three and I'm a seven. And one of the big things in conflict between three and seven is that threes are so driven and ambitious and achievement oriented and can see sevens as being too much about like fun and what's fun for them. And sevens can be resentful of threes for being like, you're harshing my mellow. Why are you so serious about achievement all the time? So I want to ask you about fun and how much like your own enjoyment of what's happening right now plays a role in what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I, that's a totally fair question. And also now everyone listening understands our uh, dynamics. The, the thing is, for me, I think as I've gotten older, I've been less willing or less able to shift my enjoyment into the future. Mm, so in the past yeah. as a three, a lot of it was like, you just bite your teeth and you grit and you do it. And and like later on, there will be relaxation or later on, there will be travel or later on, there will be rewards. Okay. And for right now, you're just like doing the important work and you have this kind of whole identity wrapped up in that. But as I've gotten older, and I would say, especially in my early 40s, it's been more like maybe this is as good as it gets. And maybe you should start designing your life to be enjoyable, Mm -hmm. um, to be enjoyable to you now. And so I'd say that's a recent awakening Mm -hmm. in me. And I've been playing with my schedule and my roles and my attitude to try to lean more into that. But at the same time, as a three and as a driven person and as just Aaron, Aaron, a lot of what I enjoy is being into something deep that I really like. Mm-hmm. And so like if you really just break it down and you put me in a on a beach and you're just like enjoy yourself, I'm going to end up inventing a language or making hats out of coconut shells or something because I just am a busybody. So I don't know that that they're completely separate in my head yet and a lot of it has been more about how do I make space and time to have deep enjoyable focus on the few things that I'm really enjoying Mm -hmm. and if I have the space and time to really like wallow in my projects then I'm happy and then I feel a lot of enjoyment and if I'm like spread too thin peanut butter in like zoom meetings all day then I'm like oh I didn't really get to dig into my shit today and then I'm mad
1: or sad yeah it's like, Work you know, we, we have different, we have different ideas about what's fun, but the point <laughs> is, are we designing so that we get to do those things?
0: Right. And I yeah. feel like now is the time. Don't wait. Yeah.
1: No, definitely do not mortgage the present for the future. That's how people end up very sad in their retirement. <laughs> They're like, I thought this was going to be awesome. And then it's like, oh shit. Yeah. You,
0: you get a few years of that that you can spend if you really want to, but it's, it's dangerous to gamble with it every year.
1: It is. It is. So. That was our very extended. Th- this whole episode is just one long checking round. No, we're going to talk today about what the role of like credibility and skills and experiences in self management and governance. And this has popped up in a few different spots lately inside our own companies, inside client organizations, on Twitter, in the world, et cetera. So let's just each give like a, a quick answer to what we're seeing right now that is bringing this up.
0: Sure. So for me, a couple things. One, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine who, who runs a business and, and he was talking about the dynamic of like people in the business, you know, do I want them thinking about the, how we work or do I want them thinking about the, what we're doing if there's a finite amount of energy and also just like given their skill level and their age and their experience and their presence in the business, what do I as a founder really want their attention on? Mm-hmm. And and at first blush, you know, I, I hear that and I'm like, well, wait a second. I'm the, you know, I'm the Mr. Consent guy. And so my knee-jerk reaction is like, no, everyone should have a say in everything. But also there there's a reality that like you don't have the same context and credibility and ideation in, in every space based on your history, based on your identity, based on your skills, based on your areas that you focus in, et cetera. So it is weird to think like it, And to even advocate for the idea that everyone would weigh in on everything. And that's never really been our agenda on the show. And we're seeing this a little bit with Murmur too, like people coming in and trying to wrap their heads around, how do I want to give everyone a voice in how we work together, but how do I use this in a way that focuses that in the right way? So that's my, yeah, that's my like two cents.
1: I like that. That's interesting. I think that what I've been pondering, which is a, a slightly different slice on this is like, there are more and more voices i think that are like self management isn't for everyone and whatever and we can talk about why that is if it's interesting but but what i what i think i am coming around to is obviously i believe that anyone can thrive in self management and i also believe that there are people who don't want to and what i am learning right in this moment is like there are people for whom the idea of spending time on the how of work isn't super interesting.
0: Right, unappealing.
1: And and it's unappealing. And so I am becoming more and more curious, especially like at the ready as we hire people who don't do this work professionally. Like what is the scaffolding for those people if they don't want to fully party in like doing role work or doing comp work or doing whatever work, like, how do we make it functional and accessible and, and exciting for people who are like, that feels like a drain to me. And like, just, you know, like, just give me, (laughs) like, just give me the answer in time. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, I tell they do.
1: And I think that probably earlier in my career, especially when I was in situations that were less, that were more hierarchical and more command and control. Like I just fundamentally believed that like, given the authority and given the agency, everyone would crave that maximally. And I'm just, I'm coming around to the idea that there is a level of like, it doesn't have a lot to do with um, capability or competence, but it has to do with interest. And for some people, like they want the content of their job to not have a lot to do with the how of work. and what, and, and, and there should be a place for those people in self-management. So it's like, you know, I think we have different lenses on this and the reasons that it's interesting, but they do feel very intersecting.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, as you're talking about that, I actually see a Venn diagram forming anyway of all the reasons why this might be true.
1: Mm. So, you know, so, and, and also
0: like ways to address it. Right. So certainly there's a there's an interest component to this because like any field of study, it's it's more interesting to some than others, right? Probably. I mean, you know, I have family members that are like, yeah, I don't don't really care so much about that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not interesting to me. Something else is more interesting. And so at a, at a hobbyist level, I think we have to accept that, like you just said, that that's going to be the case. And we talked about this earlier today on another pod that there's a combination of learning and unlearning also happening all the time. So yeah. some people have done a lot of work on how they show up and their agency and and their identity and how safe or unsafe they feel, et cetera, et cetera, family systems, all that stuff. Um, and some people haven't and maybe don't want to, or it's not the right time, or they have done a different kind of work and they have a different way of relating to those topics. But we're not all coming in blank sheets of paper with like our natural platonic interests. We're coming in fully damaged from 10, 20, 30 years of work experience on top of natural interests. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I think that's a piece of the Venn. And then the third one is probably, I'm not even sure if this is part of, part of those other two phenomenon, but I'm thinking about how do you separate the how from the what of whatever it is that you are interested in. Mm. So if you really are interested in coaching sports, if you really are interested in ballet, if you're really interested in art. There's a lot of howness in everything.
1: There and is. if you really
0: want to be great at that stuff, you're probably gonna get into the how one way or another. And totally. so how does that figure into this lack of interest? Is it about maybe not being in the right role or is it about maybe not being in the right stage, et cetera? So I'm I'm feeling that out.
1: Yeah. Wait, are you watching um winning time?
0: No, should I? <laughs>
1: Yes. Okay. Absolutely should watch Winning Time. So, this is a series on HBO about the rise of Magic Johnson and the LA Lakers. Perfect. And I don't give a shit about sports, and it is amazing. And the reason that I ask this question is because there is this period of time under the coach who was the pre Pat Riley coach where basically he had been like thinking about like complex systems and mm-hmm. emergence and simple rules and different kinds of formations for 20 years and had never had the chance to like try them and <laughs> and really was like the first person like the first coach to focus on the how mm. around this in a completely disruptive way nice. and to be like the way that basketball teams play and the way that they hold roles yes. is slow, and it's inefficient, and it's ineffective. And there's Love a way it. to do this like dynamically that will completely change the game. And he was correct.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it's and and what's really interesting about it and about the show is like you also watch the exact same thing that you and I experience all the time of both players being like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, my yeah, point yeah. Guard, uh-uh. leave me alone. And management and other coaches and commentators being like, what's this guy doing? Like We've right. been playing basketball for a long time. I think we're good. Yeah. We have these athletes. They know what they're doing. Let them play their positions and just well, get better at in their expertise.
0: And not for nothing, but what you just described is basically plot point for plot point Moneyball, which yes. was yeah, the really. same thing in baseball, right? So, So there is definitely a pattern, I think, of reinvention where you are going into the how in order to reinvent. Because that's where the how, that's like where reinvention comes from essentially yes. is is breaking these traditions. So I, I am interested in that, especially as it relates to this because it, it then begs the question of like, well, who naturally wants to reinvent and who naturally wants yes. to leave things the way they are, et cetera.
1: Yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I'm curious about that. Like, mm-hmm. I am curious if there are people who in their bones... Have a more iconoclastic streak or a more curious streak or sure. a more sure, I don't know, just like a more irreverent streak that's like, <laughs> or even just a more opt- optimization oriented yeah. streak that's like, there must be a better way of doing this, and right, like, right, let's right. find it. And I don't know, I don't know if that's true, like psychologically.
0: I think it is, and I think it's dangerous, although I love to do this, it's dangerous to paint one trait or another as good or bad. Totally. Because one of the things Britt and I constantly talk about is is introversion and extroversion. Mm. And and Brit, the Lady Dignan, is is quite introverted. And for a long time, I think the narrative socially was like, that's bad. Like you should be more extroverted. Mm. You should get out and be more social. And then we were watching or reading, I forget which, but we were consuming some kind of media about history and anthropology. And one of the things that we heard, I think it might've been a podcast, was that it's an evolutionary trait to have that diversity of introversion, extroversion. And one reason is, or one posited reason is, if you are the kind of person to be far away from the tribe, you like wanna live outside the town circle, maybe you're a little bit more of a fringe character. If something terrible befalls the group, you survive. Mm -hmm. And so essentially like being the outlier socially has evolutionary value mm-hmm. because you are you're the survivor essentially in in situations where somebody ate a bad you know batch of bread or something like yeah. that in in ancient times. And I always think about that in org theory because I'm like, what are the traits that I personally am annoyed by that actually might be evolutionary in some way that I'm not
1: seeing? right totally. And I think there is a balance like anything. It's like, Having some folks in a self-managing system who are like, I am here to enable, I don't want to, I don't care about this working agreement so much. I am going to cede my time to someone who does deeply, cares deeply, knows deeply, worked deeply, whatever. I think that's valuable. That's a valuable part of self-management. Not everyone has to be so focused on changing the place all the time. And I think having people in roles and with the orientation of like, I'm here to make this work for someone else is not necessarily a bad thing. And and I don't think that's about taking people's agency away. I think it's recognizing that there are people for whom having more clarity, having less ambiguity to navigate is like that kind of security is more important than their ability to innovate.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think it's one of the big kind of points of confusion when I get out there and start talking about permission versus constraint and consent mm-hmm. and transparency and participation is the, the general attitude and response is like, whoa, that sounds like a lot of people doing a very particular thing a very particular way forever in every context. And what I keep trying to remind everyone of is like, no, I'm talking about Legos. I'm talking about Lincoln Logs. The Lincoln Log I'm giving you is consent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can build anything you want with that. Yeah. For example, I don't ever think about the roads in my neighborhood yeah, and how they get paved or unpaved or dug in or redone or what they're called or how the streets... Because I don't give a shit. I have delegated that authority to an elected official. If I'm unhappy, I can vote for someone else. Mm-hmm. If I really am unhappy, I can write a letter. And provide advice, but I just don't care. Yeah. And that's totally cool. That doesn't mean that the system wasn't built on democratic values. Right. It was. Right. It's just that I don't want to play the game, you know, that way in every I don't want direct democracy for every choice in my life. That would waste my life.
1: Right. So I'm curious because I do feel like in some ways, people getting their hands on murmur is like it's the stripping away of a lot of the rest of what we're talking about because it's like a tool that follows a workflow. What are you seeing in terms of the people who are like, this is a hammer, motherfuckers, I'm going to build a house. And the people who are like sitting out the rounds nine out of 10 times.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean, there's so much there to unpack and I'm not even sure I understand it all yet. One one of the First things we noticed is that before we allowed you to have groups or to choose who you propose to, people were like super stuck Mm -hmm. because everyone in the workspace got every proposal. And what a good example of what you're just talking about is like not good. (laughs) So, yeah. so, like, everybody got everything. And pretty soon people were like, I don't want I don't Cheryl to want get this to. Right. <laughs> because she doesn't care or because she's super pedantic about this and it's going to ruin the experience for everyone. Mm. And, and it's like, you know, she wants to go do what she wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that that taught us something right away. And obviously, that was not the plan, but it, we had to start somewhere. Now that you can choose who to invite, it it then begs the question, well, who should I invite? Mm-hmm. And And that's, I think that gets into what you're talking about of, like, is it all just a nested structure where everyone has to play in every circle every time or is it something else and then the last thing we're noticing which i think is less about today's topic but is just a reality and and maybe connects to it in terms of time management is people just get distracted by other shit they care about more and they do yeah. miss they do miss a round or a whole decision because it's like they get the notification and they're thinking about something more important to them. Mm -hmm. And they're in a meeting or they're on vacation or they're thinking big thoughts that are not this. And they're just like, you know what? I'm going to let that go. And so we've actually been thinking about creating some kind of a button or some kind of a consent in the beginning of the process where you basically say, you know what? I'm going to take a flyer on this one. Like Mm -hmm. y'all do what you want to do. You've Mm -hmm. got, I've got your back.
1: I'm not going to play,
0: but I'm showing you, but I'm intentionally not going to play. Like, I want to give you the agency to go, and I'm here to cheerlead.
1: And so because you started this episode by talking about, like, credibility and expertise and skill, how do those things play with each other? Like, how do you help nudge the people who do have the credibility and expertise on the subject matter to not pass and the people who are, like, the, you know, internet troll that wants to, like, comment on every thread to pass –
0: well, yeah, that I think in some ways, like I'm glad you brought that up because it's the shadow side of the fairly people positive lens that we've been putting on this so far, which has mm. been like people who don't want to play, who don't have the interest, who do trust, who do cons- like that's all great. I yeah. love all that. Of but course. what about the person who is like playing aggressively way over their skis? Yeah. <laughs> like that's a whole nother thing. And so which you I, don't
1: want to design for it because that's going to be an outlier, but it's a very right. noisy outlier. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, all know yeah, totally. that person in the Reddit thread.
0: Yeah. And and we were talking about self-awareness earlier today. And I do think there's a huge question mark in my head. And I don't know that we have all the right agreements and norms around this figured out yet, but there's a huge question mark in my head about like, when I weigh in with my consent on something, how and when am I checking in with who's, who am I weighing in? Like, what, mm-hmm. what am I bringing to this decision and this perspective? And how should that meter or monitor how aggressive I am, how how specific I am, how participative I am, because quite frankly, if it's something that I know very little about, th- there's value in me participating because again, like most innovations come from accidents and they come from onlookers and they come from edge cases, but also... You don't just want to be a blowhard end-to-end in a process if you just have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And I don't know how to find that balance. I'm, I'm curious what you think. I, I feel a little bit amateur about how to counsel that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we don't have a solution yet, and I think this is where multiplayer feedback in a reputational system is really important and we haven't figured that out at the ready i don't know you know if you feel like that's figured out at murmur but like one of the things that i think over time will be helpful in a tool like murmur or or in a more analog way is like proposers or other participants in a consent based process being able to give feedback to other participants about, you know, like I appreciate you pushing, or I appreciate you confronting, or I appreciate that addition, or I appreciate your understanding of this particular domain. And right now, without any parsing of that, it is all just based on the individual being like, I think I know enough about yeah. equity to fucking say, and it's like, <laughs> I bet you don't. Uh And so I think that is really, that's really something that's missing. And it's something that I notice for myself in certain interactions and in certain meetings and things like that, like, like in my mind, and and then often I will do this in Slack. I will like DM someone to be like, I'm really glad that you're in this conversation. And like, I really appreciate your perspective. And it's often the person who is like the The counter voice, the group think. I'm often like, please, please don't ever stop doing that or in the closing round or whatever. But, but like, again, anytime we have a way of working where something like that is reliant on individual action, I'm like, this feels fragile to me. Like, there should be a way that it's like, you know what? Like, Alistair is like a very good murmur proposer and reactor Uh and questioner. There should be a thing that makes that known in Murmur and like, right. Or even more in live meetings. It's like, you know, Juliana is someone in our system who I just often find brings like a very like clear, she's just like a very good org designer. And she just like, will bring clarity to a thing where I'm like, Oh shit. Like, we missed that. Like she's often the person where I'm like, we as a group missed that and mm-hmm. she saw it. And it's like, how do you do something so that that is known, whether that's in a DAO or whether that's in a system like ours or whether that's in a tool like Murmur, how does something that's not just like social capital or share of airtime or self-confidence, how do we get more nuanced in understanding like who's who has the really smart, provocative takes who's like so clear eyed on the process that they're like, actually, this isn't really like a policy agreement. This is really a role agreement. Like how <laughs> do we get to more of that?
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you say that. Cause again, that's a really good example of like what we want more of. And it, in some ways it both the, what we want less of and what we want more of to me map to the Dunning Kruger effect.
1: Yeah. Totally. So if you,
0: if you make a chart for the listeners who haven't looked at this lately, If you make a chart of confidence on the y-axis and competence on the x-axis, and you just say like what happens as you learn something, the Dunning-Kruger effect is that in the beginning when you learn a little bit, you think you know everything. And then you realize that you know not a lot, and the confidence goes way down. And then towards the end, it goes up again, but not quite as high as it ever was in the beginning because the true masters are like, I don't really know everything. And there's good memes about this on Twitter with little bell charts that people end up at the same conclusion that they had. So what is interesting to me about that is there are people on the right of that scale who are a little bit lower in confidence than we would like and who we want Mm. to like nurture and encourage and like make sure those voices and those alternative takes make it in and that maybe there is some kind of awareness about that in the system. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think there was exactly the right mix of psych safety that I prefer at Bridgewater, but they did have a like believability concept that was really trafficked and discussed a lot. Like, are you believable in this area? And by the same token, we want the people that are early in the Dunning-Kruger effect to like cool it a little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit. Like you don't know everything. And, and I don't know everything whenever I pick up something new. And, and I think that having some kind of mirror for that would be really interesting.
1: Yeah. I don't know what that mirror is, but I'm also interested in that.
0: Yeah. It might just be how much you want to be right or need to be right or need to get your needs met the way you want to get them met. There's some there's some like demandingness to to overconfidence that's kind of like it's this way or the highway that I think is interesting. And sometimes we hold it too tightly maybe. And then when you get over to the right, it's like the territory of it depends and trade-offs mostly, Mm -hmm. which I think is better. So I don't know, maybe just listening to myself and hearing when I'm trying to be like, really right or when i'm when i'm not saying it depends is probably a good place to start
1: yeah well and i think you know as a person who rarely suffers from low self esteem and i don't know why that is i think i was just born like this um <laughs> to me the way that that shows up in a self managed system is like i often believe my own opinion and I'm super comfortable with other people not taking that advice. So it's like, if you're gonna do the work and you're gonna be the person who like brings the proposal or makes the new agreement or put the time into it, and I have a different idea and you don't take that idea, but you're gonna do the work, knock yourself out. And like, do I do I once a week like have a moment where I'm like, I told you. In my mind, I do. Of course I do because I've seen a lot of things. And also, I don't want to do all of the things. So I think there's a little, there's a thing in there of like all of us sort of sitting in continuous learning and trying to assess, you know, where we're able to contribute and not. And there's the thing of like part of learning is doing. And if someone else is willing to do, I am kind of willing to shut up about it. And that's how, that's how the third way works for me.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially in, strategic and tactical contexts. I think where I struggle more to have that lightness or to have that like letting go is when it's at a more foundational level where I I see a debate or a flailing going on about something that is kind of, it makes me suspect that we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like someone in the kitchen being like, this soup doesn't taste good. What does it need? I don't know. And it's like, are you aware of salt, fat, acid, heat? And they're like, what? And you're like, okay. It bothers you
1: so much more than it bothers me.
0: Yeah, it does. And I, you know, I I just need more therapy, I guess. But I it's it's sort of like I don't know how to engage in a conversation that is substantive if we both don't know about salt fat acid heat. Because then then we have a language with which to have the discussion and play out the trade-offs. And so it is, yeah, there's not many situations where that's especially provocative for me, but there are still a few where I'm just like, we don't have enough common. Ground yet to have this debate, so I don't think I want to have it. Like I think I'll just retreat or or be really demanding, one or the other.
1: I'm like, will you retreat? Mm. Sometimes. Um, but I but I think you don't know because you point. don't notice because I, I did. <laughs> well, yeah, fair. But but I I think there's a question in that of like, yes, of course, it would be great if we're starting from the same level of mastery, and. Can't you just be like, hey, have you tried salt?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think you definitely can. I think it's um, it's only hard to do that when you're in a situation where there's a lot of like confidence about what needs to be done or how, or what you what somebody wants for their needs to be met. And yeah. it feels like we're already past that. Like we're past trying things and now we're down to just like fighting about who wants what. Or or the lack of, you know, it's funny, this also connects this this whole Dunning-Kruger pattern. It also connects to the lack of suggestions too. So sometimes I'm mm-hmm. sure you've experienced this where you're in a conversation where there is a tension or a complaint or an issue, but there are no ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, well, where do we go from here in, sure. a, in a system? And that tends to belie, like, we're not curious enough. We're not building enough comfort in that area to, to be able to engage with measured confidence.
1: Well, and to me, that's very much where these two sort of things connect, where it's like, if you're someone who wants to be a sensor in the system and use your experience and your felt tensions and your emotions as a bellwether, but not someone who wants to think about what could be tried, that is where you might fall apart in a self-managing
0: system. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. If you're like,
1: I'm an instrument to tell you what's wrong and you are not an instrument to do anything about it, Yep. that might not be a place that you thrive in the long term.
0: I think that's right. And in many ways, maybe that goes back to the original premise, which is like, you need enough comfort or confidence or competence or skill or whatever the fuck it is to be able to be willing to and to have some thoughts around what yeah. to try or to even know where to go find out what to try. So even, even if you don't have the idea, just the willingness to say, like, I don't have it, but I know where to find it and I know where to go have dialogue about it and come back with something or nurture something forward, it's it's really, for me, all about momentum and movement.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: you know how to create movement, great. Yeah. If you just get stuck, no bueno.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. And the only salt I would add to that is the the interest to do it.
0: Exactly. Yeah, full circle. So you have the capacity to do that and you care enough or have the interest to do it. And then you can play. And frankly, if you don't, I think it's perfectly acceptable. And maybe this is news for this show because we don't talk <laughs> about this a lot. But like, it's perfectly acceptable if you don't have either the interest or the competence to just let it go. Yeah and not be an angry censor but also not be directly involved in in the solution and just give that agency to your colleagues your teammates your group whatever and just be like look i'm i'm down to try whatever I, you know yeah. i'm not uh, this is not my fight this is not my my goal this is not my zone
1: right i had i had a conversation i was in person with a team recently and we have a very new member on that team who does not do transformation work and she, I mean, it's funny because, like, she was doing role work at the time. But even so, she, I was facilitating and she was like, the role that I would like to play here is as an observer. I am here to learn, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, if we do a round here, are you willing to be included in that round? And she was like, yes. And we like contracted a little bit and she was like, clear about where she was basically doing exactly the thing you're saying, where she was like, this doesn't feel like my fight. So, like, let me be at the edge learning. <laughs> that's where I want to be. And I was right. like, noted. And like that, d- that is self-management.
0: No, it's totally. Yeah. It's, it, with did we get to the design we have? Yeah. Did we get to the design we have through consent? It's yes. Great. Right. Great. I don't care how we make the gravy. It's just, it's how we got there that counts to me. And that way you can end up with a lot of different patterns in the garden and they're all good.
1: Patterns in the Garden feels like where we got to wrap it. Also, we're over time, because we've been on a long and winding road. If you loved this very random conversation that we had today, please leave us a review.
0: Absolutely. A quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin for making us sound good in the Brave New Work garden. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work the way they want. You can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. And as for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something. Or don't.
1: <laughs> Funny. Okay, goodbye.